This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, how doctors deal with uncertain diagnoses. There's an expectation that patients have of doctors that they are supposed to radiate this extreme level of confidence. Coming up, physicians in the face of uncertainty when Radio Health Journal returns. Medicare and their list of suppliers continue to change. So if you have diabetes, it may affect where you get your testing supplies. But rest assured that your number one doctor-recommended one-touch testing supplies are always covered by Medicare Part B at your local pharmacy and select mail-order suppliers. Dr. Brian Levy, Chief Medical Officer at LifeScan, maker of one-touch products. Some mail-order suppliers may offer a limited selection of diabetes testing supplies. They may try to switch you to a different brand, saying your current products are no longer covered. That's just not true. You are entitled to continue using the products you know and trust and that have been recommended by your healthcare professional at no additional cost. Remember, you have a choice. Stay with a number one brand used by Medicare patients. For questions about coverage or where to get your one-touch testing supplies, call 1-844-942-2654 or visit www.onetouch.com slash Medicare. Medicare Part B is not a guarantee of coverage and payment, which may be subject to coinsurance, deductible, and patient eligibility requirements. When it comes to our health, we don't allow any room for error. We often want our doctors to provide us with clear, reassuring diagnoses so badly that we can sometimes forget how challenging it is to actually practice medicine. There's often an expectation that patients have of doctors that they are supposed to radiate this sort of extreme level of confidence and that there is a direct parallel between your confidence in a diagnosis and your competence as a physician. That's Dr. Stephen Hatch, assistant professor of medicine at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and author of Snowball in a Blizzard, a physician's notes on uncertainty in medicine. Physician competence can actually be related to how the level of confidence that you have in a diagnosis and your willingness to explain when you have a very strong sense that something's going on or when you have a weaker sense and that you're not quite sure what's actually happening in a patient. We're trained in medical school to take all these tests where there's always one right answer. And you get out into the real world and actually what you discover is that a lot of these tests don't have a nice, simple, clean, one right answer. There are certain instances with medical technology where the better than nothing model actually ends up creating situations in which we can end up doing more harm to patients than good because we end up over-diagnosing certain diseases because of the uncertainty that's inherent in certain technologies. One example? In 2009, the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommended against mammograms for women under the age of 50. Hatch says that this advice reflects the need for patients to weigh risks against benefits. What is the personal risk to an individual patient if they get a test? And what are the benefits that they can expect to accrue? Mammograms represent a very difficult problem because we know from the studies that screening mammograms have a life-saving benefit for women. There's pretty good evidence for that. We also have pretty good evidence that there are women who are getting overdiagnosed. What we're far less certain about is how many of those women that get overdiagnosed have the extreme forms of overtreatment, which would be a mastectomy, 
radiation and the complications that ensue from mastectomy, radiation, and chemotherapy. There is a similar dilemma for men when it comes to deciding if precautionary screening for prostate cancer is worth the risk of a false diagnosis. Hatch looked at more than 20 years of data to determine the number of men diagnosed with prostate cancer by a PSA test versus how many actually had it. What we found over about 20 years of data that came in is that you could diagnose many, many men with prostate cancer by having elevated PSAs, and they would go on to receive diagnoses of prostate cancer and treatments, which included prostatectomy and chemotherapy and radiation. And at the end of many years of studying, what they found is perhaps one man in a thousand would end up having their life saved, while you could have up to 20 or 30 men who could have prostatectomies for cancers that they ended up not having. But if there is so much uncertainty involved in medical testing, why do so many people still view these results as unquestionable? Hatch credits this to the media shaping the public's perception of medicine. The media sometimes is very eager for its own reasons to oversell how good medicine is at things, and they overgeneralize findings. And then that leaves patients feeling violated when they come to their doctor's office thinking that they're going to be cured of some disease, and the doctor has, you know, a more sober reality in store for them. However, it's hard for many people to question the unshakable confidence of some doctors in test results, which may make some patients hesitant to discuss their diagnosis. One of the examples that I will give to them is about stomach ulcers which when I was a kid in the 1970s, the prevailing thought process among mainstream medicine was that ulcers were caused by too much stress. And so you can imagine being a patient who is stressed out and you had an ulcer. You go to see your doctor and they say, you have a stomach ulcer, you have to relax. And so the patient goes and relaxes and they go back to their doctor at another visit and they're still feeling pain. And the doctor sort of looks at them and says, you're still too stressed. And they say it sort of with a, you know, I don't believe you and your crazy sort of paternalistic tone that many of us have experienced in medicine. And now nobody thinks of ulcers as being related to stress. But if you were a patient in 1975 who kept having this stomach pain and your doctor kept telling you to stop being so stressed out and you didn't think you were stressed, eventually the patient gets a message that the doctor must think I'm crazy. As a practicing physician, Hatch makes sure he voices his uncertainties to his patients. He does this in order to minimize the risk of a false diagnosis, even though it occasionally causes conflict with the patient. I've had patients who get quite upset with me when they have their own idea about what's going on and I share with them my skepticism And I've also been on the other side of it as a patient and as a family member of a patient when a very close relative of mine got ill. I had doctors coming up to me saying, you know, this is what we need to do for your loved one. And I didn't actually know the tests at the time. And once I started reading up on the tests, I was really amazed at how confident they were that this was really a major life-saving technology when, in fact, maybe two people in a thousand were going to benefit from it, but not 999 people out of a thousand. In order to decrease the number of false diagnoses, Hatch recommends more transparency with patients. This would allow doctors to uphold their credibility while allowing the patient to become more aware of the details of their diagnosis. If doctors are good at explaining what it is that they know and what it is that they don't, I don't think patients will lose confidence in us. I actually think that for the most part, 
patients are perfectly capable of understanding that tests aren't always 100% positive and 100% negative. The issue is in the communication of the nuances to people to say, this test is really, really good, and to say, this test is so-so. And I think that the more you are able to discuss as a patient with your doctor, and from a doctor's perspective, the more you can discuss with your patient, the more you can arrive at a mutual understanding rather than having it more like a sort of drive-through fast food situation where you go, you order a bunch of tests, you come to the window, the doctor hands you a diagnosis, you know, you hand the money and then you walk out the door happy. It's hard to become comfortable questioning doctors, especially knowing that they are experts in their field. But Hatch says medical school doesn't always provide the training necessary to deal with the nuances of each individual case. As difficult as it is for a patient to hear, sometimes the best thing a doctor can say is, I don't know. You can find out more about Dr. Stephen Hatch and his book, Snowball in a Blizzard, through links on our webpage, radiohealthjournal.net. Our writer this week is Michael Wu. Our production director is Sean Waldron. I'm Nancy Benson. Radio Health Journal returns with medical notes in just a moment. More than 2.3 million people worldwide have multiple sclerosis, or MS, a chronic debilitating condition. Kim Bradley was diagnosed with relapsing MS, the most common form of MS, in 1986. Relapsing MS is unpredictable, and patients don't know when or if it will flare up. But treatments are available that help slow disease progression and reduce relapses. In 2006, after trying a few other treatments, my doctor and I discussed the benefits and risks of Tysabri. With regular monitoring, I've taken Tysabri for the past 10 years. Tysabri has been available in the United States for 10 years. If you have relapsing MS, talk to your doctor or go to tysabri.com for more information. Tysabri natalizumab is a prescription medicine used to treat adults with relapsing forms of MS to slow the worsening of common symptoms and to decrease the number of flare-ups. Tysabri increases the risk of progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, PML, an opportunistic viral infection of the brain that usually leads to death or severe disability. When starting and continuing treatment with Tysabri, it is important to discuss with your doctor whether the benefits of Tysabri outweigh the risks. Because of your risk of getting PML, Tysabri is available only through a restricted distribution program called the Touch Prescribing Program. If you have PML or are allergic to Tysabri or any of its ingredients, you should not receive Tysabri. Tysabri may increase your risk of getting an infection of the brain or the covering of your brain and spinal cord caused by herpes viruses that may lead to death. Tysabri may cause liver damage. Other serious side effects include allergic reactions, including serious allergic reactions, serious infections, and laboratory test abnormalities. Common side effects include headache, urinary tract infection, lung infection, pain in your arms and legs, vaginitis, stomach area pain, feeling tired, joint pain, depression, diarrhea, rash, and nausea. The risk information provided here is not comprehensive. To learn more, talk about Tysabri with your doctor. The FDA-approved product labeling can be found at www.tysabri.com or one 800 456-2255. Kim is a patient spokesperson for Biogen. Medical Notes this week. Distracted driving has gotten a lot of attention recently, but it seems as if texting while driving is in a class by itself. Now scientists think they know why. Researchers at the University of Houston and the Texas A&M Transportation Institute say that the brain has a sixth sense about veering off course but that it needs support from driver's hand-eye coordination loop for it to work. Many distractions don't break the loop, but scientists have learned texting does. 
Having an odd work schedule certainly messes with your sleep, and new research finds additional ways it can harm your health. A study in the journal Endocrinology shows that shift work schedules are linked to severe stroke outcomes. The problem? Altered sleeping and eating schedules disrupt the body clock. However, researchers say maintaining regular meal times can counteract the most serious effects. And finally, men, if you're sick of your wife constantly nagging you, you shouldn't be. It's in your best interest and hers. A study in the journals of Gerontology Social Sciences shows a strained marriage can actually improve the health of men, at least those with diabetes. Researchers say a nagging wife may remind her husband to monitor his condition. But for women, it works the other way. They're likely to be more healthy if their marriage is happy. And that's Medical Notes this week. More in a moment. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTrax Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.